it became probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite types of interviews. People who have a business that is so intertwined with their life, I really love mm-hmm. knowing the details of how they manage it and how they manage still being a person while doing it. And I think Erin is navigating that. I think she's negotiating that with herself right now. I get why people like to follow her. She seems like a very, I guess, just honest is the word. She just feels very like, here I am. This is what's going on. Chad, I feel like if writing was entertaining to other people. Mm -hmm. Like the process? You would. Yeah. Like, it's just not. (laughs) Like, it's it's just not. not Cooking is. Everybody needs to cook at some point in their life. Not everybody needs to sit down and write. Not only is it not applicable to a broad range, but watching somebody type and then edit and walk around the room and then think about what they're going to have for lunch. That is, it is such a deeply personal and solo affair that you can't really just put a camera on and share it with the world. But Mm -hmm. I feel like if you could, you'd be like, I'd want to share this with you. This doesn't work. This paragraph is terrible. I started here and I ended here and I'm going to chuck it all. It's just a form of creativity that is so isolated. And I I try. I try to let people into that a little bit, but it's not a natural compatibility, like the art form to the medium. I like having my inner life. I love sharing a thought and my emotions Mm. and being all feelingsy and all that stuff. But I also really love having my space from other people's opinions and opinions of me and opinions of what I do. I'm not a comment reader. I don't answer the DMs, you know what I mean? Unless they're nice. I like the magic of making something in its full form and then putting it out into the world. And yeah, when yeah. you let people into the process, you lose that like magic trick component of it. Even somebody as creative as Erin is, who is sharing her personal world and her creative space of her, like her kitchen and what she's doing, she edits. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. something about having the control. It always really chap my hide like crazy when they'd be like, oh, we're just going to have some B-roll on set. There's just going to be some B-roll, like an extra camera wandering around where it it feels like you can't fuck up. And the reality is the creative process is filled with fucking up, whether you're acting, you're writing, you're cooking, whatever you're doing. And it's filled with mistakes. And some of those are charming and relatable. And some of them are shitty. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This week, our guest is Erin Morrissey-Antoniak. She's a food blogger, influencer. She is a social media celebrity. And she has a really interesting story that got us talking about living online. She's a blogger, recipe developer, food lover, entrepreneur behind Aaron Lives Whole. AaronLivesWhole.com and Aaron Lives Whole on Instagram. Here she is, Aaron Morrissey Antoniak. Hi, Erin. How are you guys? Good, good, good. good. How are you? Good. So nice to meet you. I'm coming at you from Philadelphia, and I was just saying, it was like rare that we have a sunny day like this, and I said, I must be channeling all of the LA vibes right now, because it's very sunny and nice and beautiful here. And you're from Philly, right? I'm from Philly, born and raised in the suburbs, and then I never left. I've lived here my entire life, which I always was like, I'm that girl that's going to go live a million other places, and now I'm here, and I got married here, and my husband works here, so... I'm here for life. Does your husband work with you? No, he used to work at Boeing. 
So I'm in his office right now. I will never have him work for me because we need to have two totally separate lives. We would drive each other crazy for sure. But you are an entrepreneur. I mean, you do have a business. You have employees. How long have you been an entrepreneur? I started when I was 24. So that was six years ago. I was reading blogs all the time. And Instagram was just starting to really be like a tool that people were utilizing for their business. And I was always following it. And I love to cook and bake. And I felt like I had so many stories to share. But my mom one day was just like, why don't you do that? Like you sit here, you're scrolling for hours, reading other people's blogs. You should do it. And I was like, I definitely could never. And then I just kind of was like, you know what? Maybe I should. And I kind of just one day was like, all right, I'm going to figure this out. I'm the least tech person ever. Like I know nothing about anything technology, which is not great for the industry I'm in. But I taught myself how to do a WordPress blog. And I launched a blog and an Instagram in April of 2017. And I was so dedicated to it. I'm going to make this my baby. So I worked at a software company and I was on my lunch break, taking like an hour long lunch break, posting my breakfast that I ate that morning, posting brownies that I made with like pumpkin or something weird. And it honestly just took off. It just completely took off and I was not expecting it. I wasn't ready for it. I kind of just was like, I meant to be this corporate girly. And my life just totally changed because I was like, wow, I have this whole other avenue now, which I'm obsessed with. And I love, and I love the fact that like, I can share a little bit of my life and my recipes. And I shared more of my story, which we can get into for sure. But I shared so much stuff on there. Like this was pre-Instagram stories too. So this was just through a post on of food. And just I would like type. still yes. post. <laughs> exactly. Just still post. The show is called Quitters. And I saw that you did end up quitting that corporate job. What was it about the blog that took off? And I'm using air quotes for those who are listening, that made you feel safe enough to quit? That was the hardest part because I wasn't necessarily making a ton of money. It was just the fact that detraction was there. The things I would post would just skyrocket. And I don't know what I was doing, I just would post. And I think it was because I was just there every day, right? I posted every day at 9 a.m. I was there. I showed up every single day. I would guess I used the right hashtags or something. Mm -hmm. And within the first year of me posting, I had like 45,000 followers. You started in 2017, you said? Yep. Okay. And you post every single day, 9 a.m. Did you have a plan in your head? You're like, every single day, I'm going to post it this time for this amount of time. And I'm going to see what happens. Was it like that? Or was it just obsessive interest? It was obsessive interest. I had like no actual business mindset before when I was going into this. I was going and I was sharing my recipes and I was just going to see where it took me. I really liked it. Like I found this community of people online that were also doing the same thing that I was doing. And a lot of them were girls at the time who were 24, 25, and they were posting their breakfast and they were posting maybe their favorite outfit or something. And so we had this instant community together and I can see all of these girls now, like a lot of them are in the same position as me. Some of them aren't doing it anymore, but I just was kind of like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. And I think when you get positive reinforcement and sadly enough, it's through likes and it's through growth, Instagram growth, you want to keep doing it. You want to chase after that high. I was like so dedicated to it. The digital serotonin shot that they have programmed us with for sure. I also kind of think there's something that you feel in real life when you're going towards something that is good for you, towards something that gives you energy. There is, I think there's a feeling that you feel just from that too. Were you getting that feeling as well, like separate from the computer boost? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I had someone make my recipe and they were from Ukraine. And I was like, what? This is touching people in so many places that I didn't really know it had that reach. And I realized, wow, there's a lot of value into this. 
and what I say matters. I started sharing personal things. And I think a lot of people are afraid to get personal on their platform. I think it helped me out a lot, just being able to connect to my audience. And I just had so many people either relate to a story I shared. They felt like they knew who I was, right? They felt like they know me. And it's just from me from behind the screen. It's so crazy now because I still have so many people that I talked to at the very beginning. I still try to answer all of my DMs, which is a little crazy. All of them? Yeah, it's crazy. But I I love connecting. I really do love. There's so many incredible people that I've really connected with just through Instagram, which is awesome. What was one of the first personal stories that you posted that made you realize you were connecting with your audience in a different way? I left college because I had a pretty severe eating disorder. And Mm. it was something that was not in my trajectory that I ever thought would happen. I grew up in a household where food was given no power. We had a standard American diet. My mom never pressured us to eat anything. I felt like a very healthy relationship with food. And then I went off to college and I was one of the only people in my friend group that really had no idea what they wanted to do with their life. And I just didn't have a Mm. calling. I watched my friends who wanted to be nurses and they were like, I'm going to be a nurse. I can't wait. That's my thing. Or teachers. Mm -hmm. I was struggling. I had no clue. That was a part of my world that was out of control. I also had a high school boyfriend that things didn't go really well. And I was losing control of that. And then I tried to rush a sorority and I didn't get into the sorority that I wanted, even though they had like done this whole process of like dirty rushing me and being so excited, like hyping me up. And then I didn't get it. So I had this perfect storm of events. I had felt like I had zero control in my life. I was a junior at Penn State and I went out for a run and I never, I did not like exercise. I was just not, that was not my thing. And I got this high of like, I'm in control. Mm. And then yeah. it took it to an extreme. Then I became extremely obsessive with what I ate. It almost felt like a high, honestly. Like I could control something in my life while everything else was like spiraling out. And yeah. within a certain amount of months, I was really harming myself. And my parents, mm-hmm. obviously, they're smart people. They saw what was happening. I was coming home every weekend because I was so unhappy. And they were basically like, you, you really, you need to leave school. Like it's, it's too much. It was so hard for me to do that because I was Miss Straight A student, Miss Perfectionist. Yeah. I was my student government president. My life is going to be a perfect linear, straight. I'm going to mm. climb the top of the corporate ladder. That's going to be me. But you weren't sure what corporate ladder it was going to be. I'm, I'm putting my experience on you. So. Correct me if I'm wrong. School is a very clear trajectory. You know, you do this and A. You can do this, you get another A. If you don't know where you're going after that, it's meaningless. It feels like a meaningless climb to the top of what? What made you want to post about that and make that public? That's a very raw place to have been. I was so embarrassed at first. Like I was mortified. I didn't want anyone to know I had to go away for a few Mm. months at a place because people would have been like, oh my God, Erin, it happened to her. Oh my God. Like that's what I was thinking. As my platform was growing, I kind of realized that I was learning and hearing more stories of other people my age of this happening too. And then I was like, you know what? I think there is value in me sharing this because I need to get over the fact that I have this stigma in my head that this is embarrassing. Because I think that this can really help people because sure, it took me a while to get back to living a normal life. But I was at such a point when I started sharing it, it was like six years plus at that point. And I had done so much work and I wanted to share that it was possible that you could feel better and you could feel healthy again. And that that didn't didn't have to be your whole narrative and that didn't have to ruin your life. And that doesn't have to be it. Sure, you will have these things for the rest of your life. 
you will have to find a way to deal with. But there are so many ways and tools and things that I learned that I knew would be of value to share. What was the point when you developed the eating disorder? What was the point when you realized that? And what does that moment like feel like? I have one of those things that you hear about that are dangerous or bad for people. And now I have to figure out what to do about it. I was in complete denial at first to the point where I agreed that I would go see a therapist at my school at Penn State. And I went there with the intention of them not even talking about this at all. I thought maybe they were going to talk about my anxiety. After a few sessions, she needed to refer me to an eating disorder specialist. I remember being like, what? Mm. I don't have an eating disorder. That's not me. I'm not going to that appointment. I eventually like started to be like, okay, I'm seeing an issue here. But then one of my doctors basically just said, you need to be on complete bed rest. Like, I don't know if you're going to survive if you keep walking around. So that for me, I was like, okay. It's triggering for a lot of people um, who are listening, who are eating disorder survivors and still deal with it. I'm being one of them. So I don't want to say how much weight you lost. Did you look weak and frail? Yeah, I I did. I've like since deleted all of the photos because it's just not something that I ever really so want. So smart. Think about that all the time. I still have a couple pictures. I get conflicted when I see them. I'm like, I, I did that. Right. And there's half of me that's horrified and half of me that's impressed because that took a lot. I think it's really smart that you deleted them. If I'm in a moment of weakness, I'm like, dang, I wish I could go back and look at what I looked like. There's always going to be some voice in your head, even for the average person. Mm -hmm. Bodies and the way we look is just a thing that we're Mm going to have to deal with for the rest of our lives. Sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I had those photos. But then I'm like, no, you don't. Even though you were at that weight, you were actually a miserable human. You were miserable. Mm -hmm. You You weren't fun to be around. You were 21 and you weren't going out because you were afraid of like, like calories, taking calories in. My life was not good at that point. So I, that's like kind of something I always try to remember too. It's really interesting that you found your way back to a healthy relationship with food. I mean, I know a lot of people with eating disorders become nutritionists or they're all about paleo or vegan diet. You're an omnivore. Your blog is about food and enjoying it. Your posts are about food and all kinds of food. And yes, you might put pumpkin in your brownies, but you make brownies. How did you find that healthy relationship that wasn't so restrictive? When I first started, some of the stuff I was posting was just really health-focused recipes. Then I just kind of realized these aren't as good as like the regular recipes. They just don't taste that good. It's not the same, let's be honest. And I have no allergies. so There's really no reason for me to be having to be eating a certain way. I really actually enjoy cooking and baking. And I don't want to just only be restricted to these so many foods for the rest of my life. So I actually used it as a tool to reteach myself how to eat and how to nourish myself. And I would eat them back living at home right after college with my parents and then with my then boyfriend pre-eating disorder. I used to love to go out to eat and I used to love the experience of being at a restaurant and trying new foods. My brother and I were always really creative with foods and recipes and that was so comforting to me. So like when I started making the recipes and sharing them, I wanted to share things that I genuinely loved and that were actually good and that I wanted to eat. And I'm okay with recipes being healthier. And I also use quotes on that because it's such a crazy term. People don't like it when you say my recipe is healthy because they don't want to say, oh, well, this one isn't healthy. A regular recipe isn't healthy then. I just say a lot of times I cook comfort food. Sometimes it's lightened up, but it's not diet mentality. It's not, we're not using low fat this. We're not doing zero sugar this. It's just more wholesome, wholesome recipes. Right. You sort of have the millennial 
dream success story, which is you found something you were passionate about. You started talking about it, writing about it online. You built a community around it and it turned into a really thriving business. That's what it looks like from the outside. Was this your first foray into something like this? Was this like the first time you tried to do that and it just worked for you on try one? I was just like, no technology, no interest, no other apps I was on. I just started posting. I randomly made Aaron Lips Hole one day. I got the username on Instagram and I just started posting. And now that I'm established on Instagram and I have the website, it's been a lot harder now for me to like go on to TikTok or to go on to another app because I feel like I would have to start over, right? In a way, it's really difficult. The world is very saturated now, right? With all of these accounts. When I started posting in 2017, again, I mentioned things were so much simpler on the app. That was my only ever time I was an entrepreneur. And then I started having to make business decisions. And it's been really interesting to grow from not knowing anything about being an entrepreneur to now having to be a total boss and to have hire people and to have people who work for me and also all the back end stuff, which is obviously not fun at all. But it's been a huge learning yeah. lesson for me, my God. I think people have a general point of view that, oh, if I just get X amount of followers, I can build a lifestyle out of this. Yeah. They don't know the specifics of how does it actually make money for you? When does the money actually happen? When you use the term, it took off. That means different things to different people. When did this become something that you knew could be a life-sustaining business, like something that you could get rich doing? So I quit my job a year into starting Aaron Lives Whole. I was probably making like 70K in my corporate salary. And I think I probably was making around 30K at Aaron Lives Whole, but I saw potential for the mm. future. But wait, just, just one mm -hmm. second. What was paying you from Aaron Lives Whole? Ads? Yeah, so I started a website okay. and Instagram at the same time. The ads on my website didn't start coming in until year three because you have to have a certain level of traffic. On Instagram, I would partner with Nestle, right? And they would say, hey, use our chocolate chips in a recipe and we'll pay you X amount of dollars, right? It might've been closer to like 20, 25K because at this point I had like a smaller-ish following. When I like, quit my job, I kind of just knew like, you know what? I'm 25. I can always go back to corporate America, but I'm never going to have a chance at this again. So I'm going for it. Within like a full year, I'd matched my salary at my corporate job. And then since then, it has continued to grow as influencer marketing continues to grow. I think brands really see the value in influencer marketing. Just instead of paying however much money they pay for a commercial, they might pay more money for getting a product in front of an influencer, something like Whole Foods. That has been a dream partnership for me because it represents my brand. And they're a well-known company. I really love working with them. I have far exceeded anything that I ever would have if I stayed in a corporate job. You're like 24, 25 years old and answering your DMs. And there's Nestle going, hi, we'd love to talk to you, pay you five grand to make recipes using our flour. Did you just have to make those choices on your own? Did somebody guide you? Were you just working in the dark going, I hope this works out. I literally faked it until I made it. There's no rule book for this. At this time, no one had really done this. Influencer marketing was just really beginning. And so I would mm -hmm. talk to like my friends online, but like, well, how much are you charging? Because I, I want to make ah. sure I'm charging the same amount. And we would all talk back and forth. It was so terrifying. I would sometimes answer these emails back and I would just be like, should I just add in an extra $500 and see? Like, should I just go for it? And like, sometimes I would, I would try for it. And they're, sometimes they would laugh in my face, but mm -hmm. sometimes someone, if it's one of the brands, it would stick and then they would pay for it. So I literally was flying by the seat of my pants. I had no rules. One time someone told me that I needed to send them a contract. So I Googled 
blank contracts. And I literally was like, okay, this is contract, a basic contract. Blank contracts. <laughs> Just a basic, like, anything like if, contract. It could have been for, like, construction. Yep. If they read it really thoroughly, <laughs> they were probably like, mm, this doesn't really make much sense. But I was like, I'm, I have no other option. Like, I don't have a lawyer. I don't have all of this stuff. Luckily, times have changed. I now have a management team, which is a lot more helpful. This has all happened within the last two or three years because people are seeing the importance of having the actual team and stuff behind you. How's your life life changing? The way that you spend your free time? My first four years of this, I worked basically every weekend. I worked all day Saturday. I knew this was my baby and I wanted it to work. I think work-life balance is so incredibly important and I refuse to give up my social life. I refuse because my friends and my family, and at this time I just started dating a new guy right when I started. And I was so interested in that. I was 24. I wanted to be going out with my friends on the weekends. Luckily, all of my friends have been so incredibly supportive of all of this, but I have to show up every single day on my Instagram. And so I rarely really take Mm. legit time off. I do though, I will. And I set boundaries for myself and I tell everyone not going to be available for the next week on Instagram because I feel an obligation to answer every single DM every day. And it's just because I built that. It's too hard for me to stop because I really appreciate the connection and the time that people take to message me. And people are making my recipes all over and they're sending me photos. They're sending me photos of their kids eating my recipes. I share a lot of my personal life now because Instagram stories allows you to do that. I don't just share recipes. I do like clothing hauls. People are interested in like what product I'm using on my hair or what shoes I'm wearing. They're invested. They're invested in Aaron Lives Whole as a whole. They love my dog. (laughs) Can I go back to you talking to your friends in the influencer community as it was just sort of taking off in around 2017? Our interview that came out today with Ali Maki, who's an actress, we just interviewed her last week and there was a conversation we got into about living from a place of scarcity or abundance. And this idea that there's not enough room at the table for she's an Asian American actress and the idea that, oh, she just had to shut up and behave because there's only room for one like me at the table. And with women, there can be the mindset of scarcity, like I'm going to run through the door and shut it behind me. It sounds like you were returning back to a community that was either naively or genuinely positively abundant. Do you still find it that way as like there's more and more competition to get to where you are and then I'm sure there's more competition for you to get to the next place? I could sit here and say it's so saturated. It's so saturated. There's so many people trying to do what I'm trying to do. When I first started Erin Lives Whole, I always share this message because people ask me all the time, how do I start a blog? How do I do this? I always say, Someone told me at the very beginning, this field is already so saturated. We don't need another food blogger. And I said, watch me. It kind of just like pumps like a little energy into me. And I say that to people now, if you want to go and you want to be a food blogger, guess what? A million people will try. But if you have the drive and the determination, you can do it too. But you were going back to this community that is your saturate. They are your competition. You guys Mm. are saturating the market. And yet you were looking to them and trusting yep. them for like, wait, what do you get paid? Wait, what should I do now? Do you think you could still do that in the current market? Because as much as you are tough and driven, you're like, I was determined. You were also made yourself vulnerable to your influencer peer group, which is kind of a, a left-hand turn from I'm going to crush the competition. Do you think you could still do that today? People are not as willing to share about the ins and outs of what they're doing, or if they have a special brand deal, they won't give you like a contact. I've always been an open book, so I'm always willing to share. And I can definitely tell now that there's 
20,000 billion food bloggers out there. Everyone wants to keep what they have close to them. So it's definitely become a little bit more difficult to have that same camaraderie. But it's so funny because I seriously have a group of 15 to 20 people that we all started around the same time. And we are all pretty supportive and open with each other. So it's been helpful to have that because we were in this since the beginning together from what our beginning was together. It's it's tough. It's really tough. Without my management team, I would be probably making about half of what I make because I just don't advocate for myself. And it's like hard to know exactly how much and what's acceptable. When you say like anyone can do it if they have the right determination, it like rings a bell in my head because I have to assume that you have some superpower beyond consistency and determination. My brain started writing one story, which is you have a personality that can attach itself to something and really zero in on that. And I've written that same story in my head about Julie. Do you think there's anything to that? There was something in you that made you obsess about changing your body. And Mm. as you've described it, there's something you could control and like pour into and own and manipulate the way you wanted it to go. Is there a connection there? I think that's so spot on. I've actually really never thought of it that way, but I do totally feel the connection because when I first started, did I transfer maybe my like control over to now my job? I have to put everything into this. And I definitely did. This is my baby. This is now my thing that I can control. And I think that now as I've gotten older and maybe my blog has grown, I've been able to like sit back and relax. But I still have that same feeling of when I was in control over what I was eating and what I was, how much I was exercising to now my blog. Like how much am I working? My value is based off of, did I post Mm -hmm. enough? I try not to post on weekends anymore, but I used to. It took me a lot to not post on weekends because I felt like I was giving up a part of my job, right? Like I'm, or I'm letting these people down. I hate letting people down. And I, by nature, I'm a people pleaser. And I felt like I was letting people down. I feel those same feelings when I'm doing my job and it's successful and it's growing and something goes viral. And I'm like, this is that high that I used to get. Julie, can I throw the same question to you? Do you think that there's a connection? There's a part of my personality and with many people who've had eating disorders that is very determined and has a lot of self-control in some areas, but really channeling this thing that's very out of control. This need, this thing that you get filled by and For me, I can never attach to it because I'm always sure it's going to go away. I won an Emmy and the next morning I stayed up the whole night and I drove carpool and my ex-husband was like, you don't have to do carpool. And I'm like, I do. I do because this is all going to go away and I need to show that I was there for carpool instead of just taking the minute to be like, it's okay. You stayed up all night because you won an Emmy. It's fine. It's harnessing sort of that, that horse, try and harness it for good instead of evil. I had a therapist once upon a time say to me, you need to spend a weekend in your closet. And I said, what? He said, you need to spend an entire weekend doing nothing. And I was like, do what? And this is way before I had kids. So it was possible that I could have done nothing for a weekend, but my brain's always thinking about what's next, what's next, what's next. And ultimately, as you get older and older, you realize it doesn't really matter if you can't enjoy what's happening now. And I wanted to ask Aaron, if I said to you, you need to spend the weekend in your closet, i.e. just doing nothing, like turn the phone off, no work whatsoever, order dinner, you're not cooking. Could you do it? I could definitely do it, but it would, I mean, my mind would be racing. Mm -hmm. I would be thinking about my 
job and am I taking too much time off? I don't know if I could do it. And that's kind of like embarrassing. Doesn't everyone want to do that so bad? Like so many people do that on the regular and I can't. Like at the end of the day, I want to be there and I want to be online and I want to do that. And I feel bad if I'm not. You feel physically bad. I feel like I'm letting people down. When I got married, I was like, you know what? I'm never going to have this time back with my husband. This is my honeymoon. I'm shutting it down. I will not, I'm not posting. I'm not doing anything. I had to like make that well-known because I had to tell people because I was so afraid that people were going to be like, she's gone. She's gone for good. She's been gone a week and a half. Like she's done. They probably don't actually care. Let's be honest. They're like, okay, she's fine. She'll be back. But I sometimes think taking 24, 48 hours off, I'm gone. They're going to forget about me kind of thing. Is it the fear of making them feel abandoned? Is it a fear of the opportunity cost that you might lose the momentum and the traction that you've built? Is it a fear of not being able to feed the impulse to pick up your phone and, and do the thing? Is it all those things? What, what, what's the driving feeling? It's definitely all of those things because it's a mixture of me feeling like I don't want to let people down. I don't want them to go away. That's the thing. Yeah. That's my theory. It's them going away. This is a projection. You're projecting onto your followers your own struggle with object permanence. Like if you can't see it, it doesn't exist. It's mm. going to go away. And that you're projecting that onto your fans, your subscribers, when the reality is that's yours. It's definitely mine. If I'm online and I, there's someone I follow, I have no idea that they're not posting for two days. No one does. No one cares. Right. And no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> like sadly, no one cares. Like I, You don't even I know. Yeah, right. I mean, right. there's you don't no know signal. It, you don't think about it. And so it's it's your fear of not being seen. And it's your fear of being forgotten, of being disappeared. You can be doing good things to stay present and in people's attention. You can do bad things. But the impulse is the same. And that is that you're afraid of being not seen. Do you remember when you first had fear of not being seen or heard? There was so many times growing up, I always stuck out because I had red hair, but it wasn't always a good thing, right? It was always, it always made me feel like I was different. I wasn't that person that was going to be the first one called on or the first friend or the first, the best friend of someone who's the gorgeous girl or whatever. I try to protect myself from ever feeling that way again. Now that I had people like interested and they're feeding me this positive reinforcement all the time. Majority is positive re reinforcement. Maybe I'm afraid that that's what I'm going to lose if I don't show up every day or every minute. Like I could be running around on a Friday and I've gone to Trader Joe's and I've done all this stuff. And I'm like, I haven't posted yet. I get this intense stress in my body of like, oh my God, I've, I'm going to lose everything. That's all happens within like 15 seconds in my head. I love so many aspects of my job, right? Like I have the, I have a flexible job. I actually genuinely really love what I do so much, but there are so many aspects that are pretty like stressful for me. Having to constantly show up and the fear of like missing out on opportunities if I'm not there. Would you ever outsource the social function to somebody else so that you can completely vacation from even the impulse to do it, you do not strike me as someone who would trust easily someone else to do the work that you need to get done the way that you needed to get it done. I saw that you have a team of seven contractors. How has that process been for you? The outsourcing of anything to other people? It's all been people who are like experts in their field. I've had to let go of that control or else nothing will get done in my business. And I won't be on Pinterest and I won't have Google web stories. Now they're telling me I have to have. So it's like, I have mm -hmm. to let go of that. 
I don't strive necessarily for perfection with those things. I just kind of want to show up and be a little bit present there. But my Instagram, I was having such a hard time letting that one go because I can't, because I feel like that is my baby. And that's really, truly, I answer the DMs. Like people sometimes are like, I didn't know that you were going to actually answer. I'm shocked. And I'm like, yeah, I love Instagram stories. And I utilize them as a key part of my business. People watch the stories, right? They they know what I'm doing. They know where I'm at. They know I just went to the dog park. People like that. They watch it like it's like a reality TV show. They're interested in what I'm doing. I could definitely get some help with doing some of that stuff. But I always say, oh, when I grow a little bit more, when I grow a little bit more, but I'm not sure if that'll happen. You went from an employee to an entrepreneur. You're also a writer. You said your life is a reality show. So you're a producer, you're a filmmaker, you are a personality. You are also now a famous person. I mean, if you're on a reality show with 227,000 people watching it, like you're famous. Do you feel like you wear all those hats? I don't until someone ha- like tells me it, but I don't necessarily feel that. I just feel like I share my life and I cook recipes and mm-hmm. I share the recipes. I'm editing the videos and I'm creating the content. But as a whole, I just feel like I'm just Aaron Lives Whole and I'm sharing a bit about my life. People are interested in it. People like the stories that I tell. And I think that that's how, that's how I really take it. I honestly don't feel like I have all those different hats. I think being an entrepreneur, that's just part of doing it, right? You have to step up and do multiple different aspects of your business. With all the posting and all of the social media going out, Mm-hmm. It can be a smokescreen. Oh, I'm sharing everything about my life, but it could also be a smokescreen for, and I'm not sharing X, Y, and Z behind the scenes. Are there things that you consciously protect? You can go to the dog park, you could look messy or whatever, but you're really not going to show. There's got to be things that you consciously protect. And I want to know what they are. Like, I do love to share like fashion and stuff, but I show up looking like myself every day. Like I don't come on with a facade and all this makeup and all this stuff. Are there things that I really protect? Honestly, not really. Unless someone really says like, hey, I don't want to be on your Instagram or I don't want to be behind the scenes or whatever. I really share a lot of stuff. I honestly don't know if there's anything that I'm like, absolutely not. This is off limits. I won't share that. But maybe that'll change if I have kids and I won't necessarily want to blast them. I feel like I haven't even thought about that, but I just feel like that might be one thing that I'm like, all right, I have to draw the line somewhere. Because like I blast my husband and I'm like, I'm sorry, but I need you for this content. Okay. So, <laughs> and is he okay with that? He's such a good sport. Thank God. That's good support. I know a lot of partners yeah. dig their feet in and object and feel all this weird ego stuff on their own in those moments. So that's supportive of him. It seems like your relationship to socials is what is going to become most living people's relation to socials, which is you share everything, you share, you share, you share. Like that's where at least half of your life is taking place is digitally, including Julie. I would say some people in my life who I think are smart and trust, they're at very least like, wait a second, like we should hold on to some parts of our inner life and not give them to the internet. And then there's some people who are, this is bad. This is going to destroy us. Where is this taking us? I wanted to ask Julie, because I know you're somewhere in the range of that second spectrum. What do you think is at risk if we don't have any things that we don't share? Like if we don't have any boundaries around the sharing? I think it would be different if I was a lifestyle or food blogger, and that was my bread and butter, then I still think myself as an actress, not a digital native. I'm way older than the both of you and grew up where there's a reticence to share that much. At the same time, I've also experienced recently when I've been just throwing up things with my kids or just about how boring my day is and I'm not wearing any makeup and stuff. People love it. And there is like a high to that. I'm like, oh, you love me for me? 
and trying to make sure I don't go too far down that rabbit hole because I don't want to get my validation from strangers. I want to make sure that I'm okay first. And frankly, 90% of the time, I'm not okay. I spend a lot of time in therapy. That's really where I live most of the time. And I don't think the world really is that interested in like the navel gazing. It's much more fun to watch a, a beautiful 30-year-old with gorgeous red hair. Sorry, must be said. Deserves its own Instagram, the hair. <laughs> <laughs> Cooking or unboxing or sharing life. I mean, do you share when you're like, oh my God, I've got the worst PMS. I'm miserable. I have a terrible acne and I don't want to do anything today. That's something I probably wouldn't share. Yeah, but like I could. Like I could see myself doing it, which is weird enough. My mom will sometimes message me and be like, did, did you need to share that? Do you have to share that? Like, There's definitely things in my personal life. I am not holding the camera 24-7 around. I'm doing this. Now I'm doing this. Now I'm doing this. It's more just like basic things like cooking and people like the unboxing and they like seeing that I'm like a normal person who doesn't show up with whole makeup and has a perfect life because I don't have a perfect life. And I found value in sharing that my life is not perfect because people can relate to that more than they can relate to the shiny diamond influencer. But is the value for you or is the value for them in, in the end? I guess it's for me. I think then they're going to stick around and support my business. If I were to ask one of my followers who's like a dedicated follower why she was here, like why did she stick around? I think she would say because she likes my recipes and she loves seeing my daily life and things that I share. Like I'll share my favorite products for things that, and my products aren't $500 dresses or something you can get from Abercrombie or something that in my world, it's more realistic. That's what I feel like my audience likes. And that's what they're interested in. And that definitely brings value to me because sure, like I can link all this stuff and I can make commission off of stuff. But also I share things without doing commission links a lot because I'm just like, here's the product that I like. You can go buy it. I took a picture of it and you can get it at Target or something. There's a school of thought that I'm not a thousand percent subscribed to. It's a popular school of thought and it is dominant that Eating disorders like alcoholism or drug addiction are something that you will have for the rest of your life just in varying states, dormant being the most neutral, but not not gone, not dead. Do you ever feel like your eating disorder is dormant and is, you know, every now and again, it's waking up and coming at you? Or do you really feel like it is something that is in the past? I think that it's dormant. I literally worked so hard. I kept saying to myself, like when I was going through this, I want to have kids. I want to have a family. I want to have a healthy relationship. And a lot of things in my life as I've gotten older, like have just forced the eating disorder to go dormant. No matter what, I feel like everyone who goes through that will always have that in the back of their head. But I also think like a lot of people in general have a voice that's body dysmorphic or like, you don't, you don't look great today or something. But I think that it is harder for people like us and we have to work a little harder to not let that voice totally creep in and ruin our day. I did like years of therapy after and I feel like I have so many tools now. And also like I'm generally happy in my life. I can tell when there's waves of me being really anxious and really stressed out in my life and maybe going through like a tough year or something. Then that's when I have more of those thoughts. Right now, I honestly just feel like my life is not in this crazy hustle mentality, but I'm also just doing my everyday job that I normally do. And I feel okay. Like I feel status quo and I feel like I feel good in myself. I still have those days where I'm like, oh, I really don't feel great. I'm not going to but I don't think it would ever get back to what it was before because it was like my entire life. I had that control, but I think I also did like that idea of being thin and I wanted to be that perfect person that, you know, my boyfriend didn't want to be with me. So maybe he would have liked me if I was this way. And then I 
got there and I was the absolute worst version of myself and I was miserable and I didn't want to do anything. I laid on the couch all day and I was so unhappy. And I remember that. And I'm like, that's never a place that I would ever want to get back to because my life was horrible then. It didn't actually benefit me in the way that I thought it was going to benefit me. Do you know how many followers you have on Instagram right now? Yeah, yes, I think. How many do you think? 245. If you woke up tomorrow and you had zero, what would be your emotional reaction to that? And then what would be your action from that? Like, would you go and try to build the pyramid back up to the sky? Would you go and try to do something different? What would come next? It's like so terrifying. Like, I think <laughs> about it as a real reality because like you hear people getting their accounts hacked or something yeah. happened. and Or Elon Musk really- buying the company and tanking it. Right, right. Yeah. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think I'll build it back up. I absolutely love what I do, but I think about when I like, I would love to have kids one day and I don't know if I could ever want to have to put all that heart, that work back into it. I'm really hoping that never happens, but if it did, I probably would not start back up. I know how long it took me to get here. And it, while it was a fun ride and it was really hard work, I think that there would be people that were like bummed. I would maybe just stick to the website. I do fantasize sometimes about having this life not online. It would be kind of cool to not have to feel like you have to post every day. (laughs) And I think just the reality of my job is that I have to be there, right? That's how I make the money. I love when I go on my vacations because I always do the no phone thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, a week until I can get to be like totally don't have to post and don't have to answer DMs. And I'm definitely not ungrateful for what I do because I really love it. Like there's so many perks to my job. But yeah, I just, I couldn't imagine ever having to build that back up. And we talk about the dangers and the ills of social media and and this, that, and the third. I think it's our responsibility also to say it is so empowering for you as an entrepreneur to not have to pay a marketing agency to get your word out. It's so empowering to not have to go take your money Give it to somebody who's probably going to do a worse job than you at selling your thing. I'm having a mentality shift about how I think about my socials. And I'm like, this is cool. I can show people what I can do without a fucking Mm -hmm. middleman. And I love that. I'm saying that in defense of Instagram as if it needs my protection. Right. No, I know. (laughs) At the end of the day, I'm the boss, right? Mm -hmm. If I want to do something, it's up to me to get it done. And I don't have to worry about approvals from other people. Except you do have these partnerships. When you take money from somebody, has that ever backfired? There's so many times that there's a brand that comes in and they really want to work with me, right? They really like my style. And then by the time I'm submitting the work, it's completely not at all what related to my brand. And that is tough because you sign a contract and then it's like they've changed everything about it. And I'm like, this Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with Aaron Lives Whole. I would never post this in my life. Let's be honest here. And that makes me a little bitter, but my sole income is not ads. So I get to be choosy on which ones I work with. A lot of times it's like an ad agency that I've worked with before or something, but still, yeah, a lot of times they want to just control you. They want you to post on your account, but basically exactly how they want it. What does it cost for a brand to do an ad on your Instagram? Everyone wants a reel now, right? A reel has different levels. So it could be anywhere between full packaging if they want a whole created recipe. But basically, bottom line, it could be anywhere between like $4,000 to $7,000. Gotcha. And you produce it, you make it and put it out? Nice. I do. Yep. I do it all in my kitchen. Yep. <laughs> oh my Which God. I, yeah. You well, do it all in your it, kitchen. It's all, all in my kitchen. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that like I literally like to cook and like all of a sudden I now have to become this video editor and this is something else I could outsource. I feel like it has my touch to it and people know my touch so then they like that. I don't want it to be like a perfect looking thing because then it's not me anymore. 
Oh, yeah. Right. Aaron, I just wanted to say thank you so much. We were told that you were an open book. You certainly are. I really appreciate you talking from one former inmate of a facility to another. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. And yet when you talk to somebody else who's been there, you're like, oh, it's not I'm not embarrassed. Wow. I could talk to you about it all day long. Any people out there who are struggling with an eating disorder, get help wherever you can because you don't you don't have to live with it for the rest of your life. And thank you so much for sharing all of your stories and your really great quits with us. Of course. Thank you both so much. Love being here. You. Thank you. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you, guys. Thank have a great rest of your day. 